live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What's going on, everyone? Mike Ham with you here, filling in for Jim Rome. I got to do this show, God, it's got to be about three months ago. And unfortunately, there's a common theme, and I say unfortunately, if you just give me a second here, you'll know where I'm going with this. Unfortunately, a common theme. Last time I did the show, it was coming off a Thursday night football game, week four, Tua Tonga Vailoa was on the football field, fingers locked. Fast forward here, three months later, knocking on the door week 17, we're still having a conversation about Tua and concussions, his third so far this season. Yes, that is going to be a theme in today's show. A lot to get to today. Uh, if you didn't catch it the last time I was working on this show, you were probably like, who the heck is this Mike Yam dude? Uh, a lot of experience covering college football over the last 10 years or so uh, in the Pac-12 conference, but most recently hanging with everyone over at NFL Network. So I got a couple of my buddies to come on today's show to disseminate some storylines, dissect, chop it up when it comes to all things football. In fact, I'm actually here over the next two days, so you know I'm leaning on some of my buds when it comes to the college football playoffs because we are knocking on the door for those matchups, the semifinal games, this coming weekend. But just sort of to to set the stage for you here, Cameron Wolf, because I mentioned Tua, I don't know if there's a better person to talk to when it comes to all things Miami Dolphins, all things Tua, his health, than Cameron. He's going to be joining us in about 20 minutes' time. We'll get his take on that. I know you follow Andrew Brandt on Twitter as good as it gets when it comes to information around the NFL. He's going to be stopping by with us. One of my good buds. I got was fortunate enough to work with him in two different places. Uh, Eric Allen, who should be a Hall of Famer. I was going through the numbers last night. And I knew EA had this ridiculously stellar career. The fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is is criminal. EA is going to be joining us a little bit later. Obviously, a legend for the Philadelphia Eagles. Also used to rock that Raiders uniform. He still works around that team, talks to those guys, does pre and post for the Vegas Raiders. So EA is perfect to talk to when it comes to this Derek Carr situation, which to me is one of the biggest things going right now. And then one of our good buds, Dennis Dodd, from CBS Sports a little bit later in the show, will dive into the college football playoff and these matchups, huge games this coming weekend. We've actually had some pretty good bowl games already, but to get Dennis's take on that, one of the premier writers when it comes to college football. I mentioned the Derek Carr situation. All right. So one of the cool things about working at NFL Network, if you're a football fan, just having an NFL Network email gets you access to things that will blow your mind. You know, you could finish a workout, you take out your phone, you go, oh, damn, this is what happened to me yesterday. Finished up a workout, I look down at my phone when I'm done, and I'm like, what? Derek Carr's not playing the next two games? Like, what? what is going on? How did I miss this? In my mind... Derek's the fall guy. There's there's a lot to unpack in this situation. I mean, it is it's sort of crazy here when you think about the face of a franchise. You think about the unsettled nature that this organization has been in. It feels like year in and year out. And Derek has been this constant for for this team. And I get it. I I think it's almost odd that he's become a little bit of a polarizing figure for Raiders Nation. Like I don't I don't really get it. Now, would I classify Derek as Justin Herbert? No. Would I would I call him Joe Burrow? No. But I gotta tell you, I, I think he's you know probably a top ten guy. You know, in these critical moments, you think about these clutch situations. I wish I had the numbers in front of me. Lord knows I got enough notes for for today's show. But he's got more fourth quarter comebacks than anyone in NFL history. I mean, for as much as we talk about what Tom Brady's been able to accomplish and how we just saw that on Christmas Day, you know, despite the fact that he threw two picks, but we we see the the late-game heroics. Derek Carr is delivered for this organization. I think what's also fascinating about this is, hey, not going to be a distraction. You know, I can't help but watch the Jets and see Zach Wilson sometimes with the headset and not being active for these games and see the camera cut to him and go, all right, like, I get that. Like That is distracting to me because every time Mike White hits a big throw, you know the camera goes directly to Zach Wilson, who the inner monologue I would pay to know what's going on in between his ears, inside that skull when he sees Mike White have a big throw. Like What, what do you think he's thinking in those moments? To me, distraction. Here's what we can tell you. Derek's not going to be around this ball club. 
uh, he's decided, you know what? I don't want to be a distraction to this team. I think there's more to it than that, which we'll get to in just a second. But Josh McDaniels, his head coach, addressing the media yesterday, explaining the direction this organization is and this path that this organization is going to go down. Let's take a listen to what McDaniels had to say. We're going to go ahead and, and start Jarrett uh, the last couple games of the season here. You know, we're, none of us is happy with where we're at, um, but we think it's a, an opportunity to, you know, evaluate a younger player who hasn't had much time to play. Um, you know, uh, talking to Derek, uh, who was great. Um, you know, he understands uh, the scenario that we're in and the situation and um, very supportive of the two young guys. Uh, the, those three guys obviously have worked together hand-in-hand hand all year, and, you know, he'll do anything he can to help them. So, um, you know, that's what we're going to do. Get a look at the young guy. Jared Sinem, by the way, is that other guy. The other quarterback that he's referring to is Chase Garbers, uh, rookie out of Cal. I saw every single one of his games when he was playing for the Bears. Um, the Cal Bears, by the way, not the Chicago Bears. Um, to evaluate what we have with Stidham. All right, he's a fourth-round guy. I, I get it. Josh loves him. And you know why Josh loves him? Because he had him in New England. You know, I'm starting to get this vibe of, hey, we love the backup. If if you're buying this line, hey, we want to see what he's got. Like, Jared Stidham is not the future of this organization. Maybe I'm crazy here. Because in San Francisco, if you would have told me Brock Purdy was going to ball out the way that he has, I would have been like, uh, no, I, I didn't see it. Maybe, But there's a fit thing here. Right, like Kyle Shanahan loves what Brock Purdy brings to the table, love the the acumen, love what he saw uh, around his time with the practice squad, going up against this team's defense. He has ingrained himself in such a positive way around that football team that now you say, "Oh, okay, I can see why there's some success that Brock Purdy is having." Jared Stidham is backed up Tom Brady and Mac Jones. He knows McDaniel's system. Once again, those are positives here. They're matching up against the Niners. I'll get to that in a second. This is not the game to see what we have with a with a, a backup quarterback to see if he can be that guy. I'm sorry. Taylor Heineke is not starting this weekend, and it's Carson Wentz, because Heineke got his butt kicked um, against a Niners defense that has been historically good. Well, I'll get to that in just a couple minutes here. The reason why, and it has nothing to do with Derek being a good guy, who by all accounts, everyone you talk to around that organization, they will tell you that Derek is a guy that will rally the troops. He's a guy that had less talent a season ago amongst chaos. You could talk about DUIs. You could talk about car crashes. You could talk about coaches getting fired, the whole thing. And where was that team? They were in the postseason. This roster is better, and they're on the outside looking in. Now, do I blame Derek Carr for that? I I don't know how you take the quarterback. And look, you can go through the numbers here. And I'm not saying that Derek's not at, at fault, right? Like, you're the quarterback of the team. When things are going good, you're going to get loved up. And when things are going to go bad, you're probably going to take the blame here. This is all about dollars. Because if you're going to tell me that a guy that had less talent amongst more chaos was going to have more success a year ago than he is now... I'd say, I don't know if that's a quarterback issue. I, I really don't. Now, is that a, a, a Renfro not being healthy? Is that a Darren Waller not being healthy? Is that uh, a new system? You know, like there's a common denominator here when I think about this offense not performing at a higher level. Yes, I can point to injuries, but I could also say maybe it's the head coach. I, I Just throwing that out there as as an option. I'd also say this. When you look at this team's defense, someone explained to me when you have Crosby and Chandler how you're not generating more pressure on opposing quarterbacks. Like the numbers to me are mind-blowing. I get that the Raiders are an offensive-minded team. Typically, we will focus in on teams that have Devontae Adams and Waller and Jacobs, what he's been doing out of that backfield. I get that. Every team has got some sort of identity that's out there. But this team made some tweaks and adjustments. I know the Adams deal was big. Chandler Jones, they brought him in as well. This defense was supposed to keep up with the Joneses in the AFC West, right? Remember the AFC West in in the preseason? All the rage, historically great. Look how competitive this this division's going to be. And you know what happened? 
Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid just do what they do every single year. Seven consecutive seasons now that that team has won the division. All of the influx of talent hasn't played out the way that we thought there. In fact, the NFC East has been significantly better. They they go from like maybe the worst to arguably the best with four teams right now that are looking like they're postseason squads. Washington's certainly fighting. The Giants still fighting, but you know we'll talk Dallas later, and we know what the Eagles are at this point. But this whole car situation, this is all about dollars. This is 100% a move about money. And I'll, I'll tell you why. He gets an extension, which, by the way, is weird. Like, think about the quarterbacks now that have gotten money in the offseason, and you're starting to kind of reevaluate things, right? Like, Derek's one of those dudes. They're clearly going in a different direction. Russell Wilson comes to mind. Like, there's a list of these quarterbacks. You go, oh, my God, they gave him how much, and this is what we're getting here? But Carr, if he gets injured in the last two games, which he won't because he won't be around the team, the team was actually on the hook. That $32.9 million salary for next season – Lock it in. The $7.5 million for his salary in 2024, guaranteed. So if you're telling me Derek Carr is not around this team and they mutually decide to, to you know, Derek not be around so he's not a distraction, that that is 1,000% all about money. This is a uh, an ownership group. This is a regime that gave him, you know, just a couple of months ago, a three-year deal over $100 million. Like you felt good enough in that moment to invest a significant amount of money in a guy that's been the face of your franchise that just led you to the postseason, that had to answer all the questions about his head coach that were not positive when they went through a a coaching change with Gruden, that had to rally these troops. I've seen – how many of us have seen these conferences now, these press conferences of Carr? The guy is emotional around this game because of how bad he wants to win and how bad – Look, the rumblings that that have been kind of coming out here, not everyone is invested in this team's success the way that Derek is. And I'm talking about some of the players inside that locker room. There's been growing frustrations and reports coming out of Vegas that this team has – and look, they haven't been winning, right? Like, we'll hear from Devontae Adams coming up here in just a second. But, like, they haven't been winning to the level that we had anticipated. And maybe coming off that win, guys just don't feel it like other 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 guys that are out there. I am just saying that this whole deal, the salary cap situation, the whole deal, this is all money-related. Derek Carr is a better quarterback than a lot. This is a complete reset for this franchise. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens over the next few weeks and months, not just from a car situation, but what do they do in the draft? This is a team that right now, as of today, and obviously things will change, but as of today has the ninth overall pick in the NFL draft. They got nine draft picks, so they're going to be in the mix. I don't know if it's it's Stroud. I don't know if it's Bryce Young. Will Levis' name has popped up a whole lot, and you know as we creep closer to the draft, there's going to be a guy that we're not really talking about at that quarterback spot that will get his way and work his way into that first round. Point is... Vegas is going to be in the mix for one of those guys. Unfortunately, at least in my mind, this ain't the year that you want to have one of those picks for a quarterback. Because that guy that plays in Southern California for USC, Caleb Williams, has got one more year in that system, in that offense. We're two years away from having a guy and a player who I think is a a generational-type talent. I know every year there's a guy that we feel good about. You know, I don't know if there's a lock for a player to have success on Sundays at the quarterback spot quite like Caleb Williams is set up for. So my point is, you could have one of those top 10 picks. You could have a top five pick. Maybe you trade some of that draft capital, those nine picks that the Raiders have, and you move up a couple spots to get the guy that you really like. I, I don't know if it's a lock. I really don't. I don't know if it's a lock considering what this organization has been. I don't know if it's a lock that that guy is going to have success. When I look at a team's defense, check out some of these numbers here. 25th in total defense. Tied for 23rd in scoring defense. It only gets worse. 30th in sacks. I said this, Crosby and Chandler, how are you 30th in the NFL in sacks? Like That doesn't make sense to me. Turnovers, 31st? Like, that's a thing? Like, I, it's hard for me to fathom how a guy is supposed to win ball games at the quarterback spot when the defense is 30th in sacks, 31st in turnovers, and 27th in red zone defense. Every time you come down the football field and you get into the red zone, you're essentially scoring points. 
how much pressure that puts on an offense where every every throw feels like a critical throw that you have to make. I, I, I'm telling you, I think that this is – we're just scratching the surface on what this organization has to do because not only did they give Derek Carr money, they brought in his boy in Devontae Adams who you can make an argument – what is he, one, two in the NFL at that wide receiver spot? You take Adams, cool, I'll take Jefferson. You want to take Jefferson, cool, I'll take Adams. Like The point is they're, they're probably one, two, or three at worst in the NFL. And now all of a sudden you sit there and you say, what's going to happen with him? We're going to we're gonna hear from Devontae coming up in, in just a bit here. The Raiders story not going anywhere. Eric Allen's going to be joining us. We'll get his take, a former Raider and a guy who's close to that organization, a little bit later in the show. One of the other big stories, though, is Tua. And unfortunately, this is not a story that has gone away. And I'm talking about his health. Cameron Wolf from the NFL Networks knows this team and he knows Tua as well as anyone. He shares the latest on the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out and you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You're good. You can make it. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads in order to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. It's the Jim Rome Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Mike Am filling in for him. A lot of NFL talk on tap for you. By the way, League MVP would love to hear who you think that guy is. At Mike underscore Yam, you can hit me up on Twitter. We'll sprinkle in some of those tweets throughout the course of the show. I'm still leaning Jalen Hurts. Can't get over the conversations that I'm having with some of my buddies at NFL Network about who that guy can be. Patrick Mahomes' name keeps popping up. Joe Burrow's coming on strong. Make your case at Mike underscore Yam. There was a time earlier this season where I think people were pretty excited about the path and what they were seeing from Tua Tungavailoa. Miami's offense was rolling. Uh, Mike McDaniel, what he was doing schematically with guys like Tyreek Hill and Waddle. I mean, it has been it's been awesome. And yet, I think the biggest story that hasn't gone away really the entire season is the health of Tua Tungavailoa and these concussions out again. Cameron Wolf. When I think about the Dolphins, the the only guy that I can I would want to talk to about this team is Cameron Wolf, who covers the squad for NFL Network. Good enough to give us some time here, Cameron. So you tell me what it's been like this season tracking the health of Tua and the level of concern that you think the organization has for for his health long term. Yammer, man. Uh, great to talk with you. Um, I think it's been difficult for everyone involved because this is not a sprained ankle. This is something that we've learned a lot more about concussions and know the long-term risk and and potential dangers that come with it. And, you know, we got the upfront view of it in September with Tua first hitting his head in that Bills game and coming back in and all the conversation about who was wrong in this situation. And then four days later, I was at the Bengals game in Thursday night football when I saw him carted off the field with his face mask unscrewed and taken to the hospital after, you know, what was diagnosed as a full concussion. And so, you know, you have that as the backdrop of what was a conversation for weeks about how the Dolphins handled this, how the spotter handled this, what does this mean for Tua and his health? And you finally get to what you were mentioning of Tua coming back and playing really good ball and then another instance happens. And so I can tell you from the Dolphins organization perspective, they are, have definitely been focused on his care, um, but they also have had to deal with the, um, the extra ex- external factors that come with investigations of NFLPA and NFL and, and, and figuring out who did what right. And so for a team that's very much in need of a win or two to get in the playoff mix, um, this adds another 
element of adversity and not your traditional football adversity. Cameron, I, I think this is a story no matter when it happens, A, because it's to a B, because the Dolphins are yep. having success, and, and, and C, because of the frequency. I can't help but notice, and I, I don't – I guess maybe this has been discussed a little bit, but a lot of these concussions in these moments are happening in primetime slots, right? Like a Thursday night game. They only show in town here. I was doing the Rome exactly. show. The last time I did the show, it was it was on the heels of that moment. We're talking about, you know, a Christmas holiday weekend where people focused in on this game. How much do you think that plays a role in in what this narrative has been? Yeah, it's huge because when you think about that those September games, that's a big game against the Bills that everyone saw, and then the national TV game that happened four days later. So I think because of that and because of who Tua is, he came into the league as already one of the most popular players in the league because of what he did at Alabama. Um, it's magnified. And so I had some people kind of um, murmur to me this week, okay, why isn't Kenny Pickett getting the same attention? Well, Kenny Pickett's not the same uh, – didn't have the same you know view of his concussion as, as Tua did. And so that's the reality of this. And the other situation is how scary Tua's concussion was yeah. on that Thursday game. Like, there was legitimate time where I'm checking to see if he's moving. You know, I remember seeing the ambulance as it's going out, not really knowing what's going on with Tua. And so I think all of that together makes this um, circumstance a lot, a lot heavier for a lot of us. And uh, it, it's why this is the injury that's resonated more than any other injury to me uh, this season. Look, and it goes without saying, Cameron, you and I, we make a living talking about NFL football. So we right. we all push that to the side because we are legitimately talking about the health and safety of an individual player. You mentioned the, the Thursday night game. I mean, we all watch that, and that's yep. scary. You know, a lot of times these concussions happen, and people are speculating about what this last one was. I know they're throwing plays out there. You Like, the reality is we don't really know. We don't that, really know. Right. That Thursday game, we knew. I mean, that those fingers yeah. are locked up, and he's not moving. We, we have that moment, and that's scary. What about for him personally? You've had so many conversations, I know, with Tua. Is he wired like Andrew Luck, where he could say, you know what? Uh, I'm good. Like I was a first round dude. I've had some success now. I've made a little bit of cash. I can say goodbye. Or is he wired? Like, look, it doesn't matter, man. I I could have five of these concussions. I'm still going out there. Like, what what's the mental makeup of Tua? You never know when one is one too many, right? You yeah. never know when it, enough is enough. But from what I know about Tua and know from talking to people around him, I think that. I would be shocked if this was enough for him to uh, call it a career. I think for him, uh, he very much is a competitor. Uh, it's so much so that I think it gets him in trouble. If you remember that the first game back, when he came back from that scary concussion that we're talking about on Thursday, he tried to lower his shoulder and run a defender over. Yeah. And I literally watched two in games, and I'm like yelling, like in my head, because I can't yell in the press box, <laughs> but like slide, slide. Like you, you, I think in his mindset, he wants to just be a football player. And I think that's why this concussion protocol and really the league itself, their goal is to protect players for themselves. Because as we saw this past week, Tua, the, all signs are he was playing significant time of game with a concussion. And so clearly either he didn't feel it or he didn't decide to take himself out there. And so that job comes on the protocol, that jo job comes on everyone around him to protect himself there. And in the same respect, I think if it's up to Tua, then he will do everything to be back as soon as possible. Now, I do want to recall in October, you know, we had a conversation with him in the media and asked him about how this weighs on him. And he, he mentioned that the concussion stuff doesn't weigh on him much, but it very much so does with his parents and his family. And so I am certain there's going to be conversations with his, his parents who are very caring with him. He has a baby boy and a wife. Um, this year and so those people will have conversations with him and I do think that it will impact how quickly he comes back this season and so I know there's a lot of conversations on there's no way he should come back and that's still yet to be said but I will say that I know that his team and his family will will proceed with very much thorough caution and they will not let him rush back even if that's his mindset. Yeah, Cameron Wolf, NFL Network is with us here on the Jim Rome Show. Mike, I'm with you. Uh, Cam, when it when it comes to long-term planning, how does this affect what the Dolphins and that front office is is thinking over the next few seasons? Yeah, it, it's got to play a factor, right? Because regardless of what you thought of Tua coming into the season, um, he has done a good job on the field of uh, 
getting rid of the oh two a can't throw the deep ball narrative yeah. or a two a how can he work with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both of those guys are in the top five and six in receiving um, but the lingering thing about Tua is his durability and the old coaching saying is your 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 availability is your best ability no doubt. and you know he's going through another season where he's not being able to play all 17 games and so the reality is that's going to play a factor when you talk about can you give him a long-term contract extension he's eligible for one this offseason and so you're looking at hey can you give him a long-term deal with a bunch of guarantees how can the Dolphins be confident in that given his injury history um, you got to make a decision on his fifth-year option this year um, and in the same respect you've always got to prepare for um, what if he gets injured? And so they spent a lot of money on getting a Teddy Bridgewater. They would, if they move forward with Tua, which I expect them to do, they would have to, again, spend resources and money on another backup for a situation like this. And so it handicaps you to an extent. And I think it always has that lingering question in the back of your mind that I think a lot of fans have. Is Tua for sure the Dolphins franchise quarterback? A month ago, I think that answer would be definitively yes. But because these injuries keep popping up, I don't know how certainly you can say yes uh, because of his lack of consistent availability. Well, this Dolphins team is on the precipice of being in the postseason first time since 2016. And look, Teddy's going to have to to try to get it done against a Patriots team that's got a, a stellar defense and certainly has been carried by that unit. Walk me through this from a Teddy Bridgewater standpoint, knowing that it's a Belichick defense, knowing what's at stake here. How does this thing play out? Yeah, I think the biggest element here is your deep ball capacity was the core of this Dolphins offense. Yep. you got to think with Teddy in there, it's going to dissipate a bit, and I think they're going to have to focus a lot more on getting the ball to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill um, in motion and yards after catch capacity, and they're going to have to lean on that running game that's been very inconsistent with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, but when they've been at their best, then they've been able to run the ball. And so you want Teddy Bridgewater to be a game manager in this situation. He's a veteran. He's done it before. Not a lot that Bill Belichick is going to show him. It's going to confuse him. So you just don't want him to lose the game. They have enough talent on the offensive side of the ball that with the Patriots banged up defensively, they should be able to exploit them in matchups. And so this is a Mike McDaniel game to me. You know, they brought him here because of his offensive uh, mastermind genius. You know, it's his job to draw up plays and, and draw up schemes to be able to to win no matter the situation. And so they struggled a lot earlier this season when Tua was out playing Teddy and Schuyler. And so this will be a challenge for them to change the offense and manage it around Teddy's skill set. And this defense that's really been up and down most of the year is really going to have to step up as well. Uh, against the Patriots up in what's probably going to be a very cold game in Foxborough. Yeah, yeah, there's no question, man, that Northeast cold. It'll hit you a little different. Uh, Cam, before we let you get going, man, I, I've been throwing this out there in the show and would love to hear your thoughts on it. I've been asking for people to uh, to tweet their responses, at Mike underscore Yam. Your MVP this season, who do you got? Oh, Yammer. I was a big Jalen Hurst guy for yeah. most of the year. I think that there was not enough love for him because he did it differently than Patrick Mahomes did. Um, but I will say that it, it's probably going to be hard for him to win the award given some, you know, the time he's missed, especially if he doesn't play this week. If he does play this week and comes on hot, then Jalen Hurts would still be on top of my board. But I think that Patrick Mahomes probably wins the award, and he's been my two all year. And so um, I, I, that probably is my answer. I would say Jalen Hurts, um, if he's able to come back and have a strong finish, if not, then probably Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm with you on that assessment as well. I think he does play this weekend. I think the Eagles are trying to lock things up and then we'll rest him against the Giants to yep. close out the season and make sure Jalen's 100% ready to go uh, for the postseason and maybe even a run to the Super Bowl. Uh, Cam, it's always good, man, to, to hear your voice. I always enjoy our conversations oh, and can't thank you enough for popping on with us. I love it, Yammer. Appreciate you, man. All right, Cameron Wolf, once again, NFL Network. I got a question for you. Why is Old Trapper beef jerky like the best thing ever? Well, there is something to be said for a family business, which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper, where you can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender, never tough, because they only use the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite and... Old Trapper Jerky comes in four mouth-watering flavors. Old Fashioned, which is classic beef jerky flavor. Tender, smoky, and delicious. You've got Teriyaki with the yellow label, where Old Trapper turned the flavor dial to 11. Hot and spicy. 
with a spice so nice you'll want to snack twice. Peppered, tender, seasoned beef covered in cracked pepper. And you can grab and go with a four-ounce bag or load up with an 18-ounce bag. That way you've got enough for the entire team or fam or both. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? This kind of been a big newsy kind of week just in general for the NFL. I mean, quarterback situations with two in the concussion, Derek Carr situation, Carson Wentz getting the start from a Washington perspective. There's just a lot to unpack. And then even tonight, I thought it was going to be Malik Willis, Joshua Dobbs going to be getting the start from the Tennessee Titans perspective. No Derek Henry, no Tony Pollard, by the way. Andrew Brandt, as good as it comes when it comes to covering this league, you can follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. Uh, he's with us right now. And Andrew, I know you could probably teach a master's class when it comes to contracts in the NFL and how to navigate some of these situations. I've been making the, the case here from a Raider side of things. This Derek Carr thing, it's all about the Benjamins. It's all money related. But take me through what you think that front office is thinking with this move. Well, Mike, good to be with you as always. I think the thing that people underestimate in the NF with, with NFL contracts is how fungible they are, even, even at the top of the food chain. And I know this from 30 years on both sides of the ball, negotiating as an agent and for the Packers for 10 years, you can always get out. I mean, there's one contract in the NFL you can't get out of, and that's Deshaun Watson. And speaking of Watson, after his deal, three deals got done this offseason, three quarterback deals, and we hoped from a player's point of view that maybe Watson would have some precedent for these deals, but they didn't. And all of them, Carr, Murray, and Wilson all went back to the traditional structure, a year or two guaranteed, and the rest is kind of on the come. So now what we're seeing with Carr is he got a new deal, but basically it was a one-year deal unless somehow the Raiders are stuck with his $30 million guarantee next year. So then it brings up the case, are they going to get rid of him? Could they cut him? Could they um, work out a trade and wink, wink, because he's got to know by February 15th, and then they trade him later? I mean, all these things could happen. I think the point I always try to make is never believe what you see about these NFL contracts. You know, it's fascinating. I didn't bring up the Watson situation, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head and opened up Pandora's box here on some of these deals. How do you think, because my understanding, Andrew, and you're in these circles, so you could probably, you have a better sense mm-hmm. than I do. The Lamar Jackson situation is him wanting a Deshaun Watson type deal, correct? But the fact that we got three deals that were more of the, as you put it, the traditional structure, doesn't seem less likely Lamar gets that type of deal in this offseason? I feel for him. I feel for him. I mean, he negotiated for himself, and in some ways, he was a tougher agent than the agents for Carr and Wilson and Murray. Yeah, um, yeah he probably, I can't, I don't know his inside of his head, but he probably said, hey, I'm, I'm better than Watson. I'm more productive than Watson. I'm more healthy than Watson, and I don't have all that baggage. How could I settle for less? And the Ravens, who've been cursing the Browns since the moment it happened, said, we're not going there. And that's where we are. The problem for Lamar is I don't see any way the Ravens don't use a franchise tag on them. I mean, that's the problem for NFL stars. They get to this unique point of their career, and they can't go anywhere. Um, Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some rumors coming out that they'll trade them or something, but you know, if he's going to do a deal with the Ravens, it's going to be a not a Watson deal, it seems. And just like these other deals where the teams can get out after one or two years. So we'll see. But I do feel for Lamar. Andrew Brandt is with us right now talking about some of these contracts in the NFL and, and how it pertains to the big news from yesterday about Derek Carr not going to be with this team down the home stretch here. Is this a smart business decision from a Raiders perspective in your mind? You know, it all depends what you think of the player and what they think of the player. I didn't watch much Raiders this year. I mean, it just seems like there was a decline. Uh, He certainly seemed like a highly valuable player going into this season and recruited what people think was the best receiver in the league. So I don't know what happened, but 
Josh McDaniels is the ultimate arbiter, and it just feels like, you know, it's over. It, it really feels like it's over. And then we'll see. You know, can, what can they get trade-wise? There are a lot of quarterbacks on the market. There are a lot of quarterbacks coming out in college. I think the market's going to be pretty light all around for quarterbacks because of that. You mentioned Devontae Adams. He was maybe the biggest splash in terms of a free agent signing this mm-hmm. past offseason. It's well chronicled, the relationship that he's got with Derek. He, we played some of this audio a little bit earlier. How do you think this decision impacts it? Because as you just stated here from a, a contract perspective, there's always a way out, unless your name is Deshaun Watson. Always a way right. out of these deals. What do you think ends up happening with Devontae Adams there? You know, I think it's hard to say he'll be traded. I mean, yeah. they're not giving up on him. They're giving up on the quarterback. I don't know. I mean, if he demands a trade, then it becomes a different situation. But if I'm the Raiders, I certainly hold on to that asset. I gave up a one and a two, which are highly valuable draft picks. You know, I think what's interesting is everyone asked me about the Packers side of it because I was there for so long. You know, I think we all focused the past couple of years on the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and no one really focused on the relationship between Devontae and the Packers, which I think had problems. Uh, I did this for 10 years. There's no team in the league more proactive in getting their young stars locked up. And they've just done it for Jair Alexander and David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark, etc. They didn't do it with him. And, and I don't know what, what happened there, but there was a problem between him and the Packers, it seemed. And that, you know, that continues to surprise me that that couldn't get worked out. And now we see an uncertain future for Adams. Andrew Brandt is with us uh, here on the Jim Rome Show. Mike, I'm filling in for him. Uh, other quarterback news here, Tua and the concussions. We know he's not going to play um, in this upcoming game. It'll be Teddy Bridgewater. Who knows? Maybe we don't see Tua the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. How do you handle his status moving forward? Like, not even this season. I mean, you got a fifth-year option that's around the corner. I mean, he's he's your franchise guy. Like, how much cons- how concerning would it be for you, Andrew, to go, you know what? I'm going to invest what it's going to take to invest in in the face of a franchise that plays that position long-term, knowing what we've been dealing with this season with these concussions. Yeah, I feel for Tua. I mean, again, I look at it from the player point of view. Every player wants to play, whether you're in junior high or high school. Right. You know, that that's a given. But nobody's protecting him. And the thing is, the NFL has all these spotters on the sideline and above the sideline that are supposed to con- get the player out including the referees. And uh, we've seen it now twice where he hasn't been taken out or he's been taken out and put right back in in the Miami in the Buffalo game case. And that's just bad. I mean, you can have all kinds of doctors on to talk about the long-term impacts of these. But, you know, one thing I just said to my doctor friend, <laughs> he immediately said, hey, oh, yeah, he's much more prone to concussions because he's had a few this year. I mean, like, that's not surprising. Like, this is known in science. The more you have, the more you're prone, especially in a short time window. So, you know, we can now look back and say, should he have played after the Cincinnati game this year? And here we are. So you're, you're asking the tougher question, because I've been on both sides of this. If I'm the Dolphins, do I pay Tua? If I'm Tua, do I demand a contract? You know, this is his fourth year. So this is the year that Burrow and Herbert are going to get deals. Is he going to get a deal? And if he does, is it going to be anything like those guys? And can he argue, but for the concussions, he should? So... I'm really fascinated by that one. Yeah, it's going to be, as this thing unfolds, because you're right, that class with those other two guys, those dudes are getting paid. There's there's no yeah. doubt. We've seen what Burrow's been able to do, and now the Chargers in the postseason with, with Herbert in year number two, and, and that guy just throws lasers all over the football field. You're right. Fascinating from that perspective. 
Concussions in general, Andrew, you know, if you're advising Roger Goodell, like what's the advice that you give him on on handling these situations? Because it, it almost feels like you, you have to tread lightly, but by all accounts, like you, you, the league's trying to do what's best for these players, but this is a very physical game. Yeah, we talked about this for 10 years. I mean, it's it's an inherently violent game. You're trying to make it less violent. You're trying to make it safer, but it'll never be safe. Um, and I think everyone listening, including you and I, has this conflict in their own head that they realize they're doing something that's a little wrong. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't say that pejoratively. I'm like, we're watching brain health be deteriorated. Yeah. Uh, not going to come across in the next one, two, five years, but it will down the road. And we all accept that conflict. We all do. And because obviously the ratings are through the roof and it's the most popular sport in the world uh, in terms of viewership. So that's a great question. I think with, with Goodell, you look at Premier League soccer or some other things, and you've got to applaud Goodell for what they've done that's beyond that. The problem is when it misses and two has brought up these misses and yeah, some amateur puts out a video that sees two ahead clap back on the turf. That's a problem yeah. because we see it later, but no one saw it at the time. People are charged to do that. So that's, you know, he's got to get better spotters in Miami, obviously. Yeah. Andrew, before I let you get going, I've been asking all of our NFL guests, I've been asking our listeners, you can tweet at me, at Mike underscore Yam, league MVP, who do you got? Oh, um, you know, I'm based outside of Philadelphia. I, I just think even with the missing these games with a slight injury, no. I would go Jalen Hurts because this is a guy that's elevated his team to, I think, the Super Bowl favorite still, I do. And in both ways. I mean, some guys you can say, yeah, they're more runners. Some guys you can say they're more passers. Both ways. Truly both ways. Um, so I would go there. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that front. He has been uh, the clubhouse leader for me. And I know people keep talking about some of these missed games. I just look... The, the fact that they lost without him against Dallas, like I think that even strengthens the point why Jalen Hurts should be the MVP because there is value to to what he brings to the table. Um, Andrew, I, look, I think you do a tremendous job on on Twitter. The, a lot of the information that you put out there is just pure gold. I encourage people to follow Andrew at Andrew Brandt. Can't thank you enough for the time, man, and hopefully we can do this again real soon. You got it. And beyond Twitter, of course, I do these reels because that's more of a video platform on Instagram. So check out Andrew Brandt, too. And then I have my Sunday newsletter, which I think everyone should it's free to your inbox. So just go to Andrew-Brandt.com. Sign up free every Sunday morning. Andrew, I appreciate that mention. You're, you're not doing the dancing TikTok videos, though, right? Just to clarify. No, my kids won't let me go there. Okay. Okay. They barely let me on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am. Well done. The kid's protecting you from the, the dance moves. Um, Andrew, once again, man, I really do appreciate it. Thanks, guy. Talk to you. All right. Uh, Andrew Brandt, good enough to give us some time here in the skinny on, on some of these situations. He's right on the concussion side, I extremely delicate situation. But I think what's fascinating, and, and I think he put it really succinctly, don't believe everything that you're seeing. When you see these massive deals that are coming, for some of these quarterbacks, that extension, that three-year extension that Derek Carr got, it's one-year guarantee. It's really what it's going to come down to. You want to take it a step further? What's going to what's Arizona going to do with Kyler Murray and that deal? Like Tim, it just it, it is fascinating because that thing has gone the opposite direction. Than I think most people would have anticipated. <laughs> Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com is with me now. You've actually started a new operation, a new wing, Omega Funding Solutions. Exactly what is that and how does that work? You file an amended payroll tax return with the IRS and the IRS is backed up. You know, they were hit by COVID too. They had the pandemic to deal with. So it's taking them anywhere from six months to a year to process these refunds. So we came out with a solution where we can help you get access to that cash earlier in as, as little as two weeks. See if you qualify for an ERC tax refund from the IRS, Omega Tax Credits. Credits.com. <laughs>
All right, it's that time of the season where the playoff push in the NFL dominates the conversation. And then you get a day like yesterday and today where you got some newsy elements that are dictating uh, a lot of what we are doing here on the show. By the way, that MVP conversation, still want to hear from you at Mike underscore Yam. Uh, You can tell me who you think should be the league MVP. Uh, Former Raider, and he's a six-time Pro Bowler. Eric Allen works on the pre and post around this Raiders squad, knows this team intimately. He has seen every snap that Derek Carr has had this season. He joins us right now. EA, first of all, it's awesome to have you on, man. I miss miss our time together. It's always good to hear your voice. I was going through some of your numbers, and we're going to get to this in just a minute. How the hell are you not a Hall of Famer, dude? (laughs) Mike, I tell you, man, for the last couple years, I've been a semifinalist, and – All of my good friends, uh, some of which are which are in right now, call me around, you know that that time every year. And hey, this is going to be year, but hopefully this is uh, the year. Um, like you, I'm kind of, you know, at this point, you know, the 54 picks and all that stuff. It, it uh, I can't do anything else. I can't strap him back on, Mike, <laughs> and get another pick or two. But but hopefully I've done enough over my career uh, to to be able to wear that gold jacket. You know, yeah, I. You know, I haven't seen you in probably what two years or something like that. But two years right. ago, I was pretty confident you could probably strap it up and still get out there and get <laughs> one more, just one more. I don't even think you need it. By the way, you mentioned the fifty-four interceptions. I didn't realize. I mean, I've worked with you for like at two different yeah. networks. I didn't even know this. You played, by the way, two hundred and seventeen games out of a possible two twenty-four. No, man, yeah. you, you still walk around like you're you're spry out there. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> Hey, man, I tell you, man, first of all, it's about those jeans, right? <laughs> so glad that uh, mom and pops uh, gave me those jeans. But you do have to, and, and I think we see it now. There's just, whether it's Tom Brady or the great LeBron James, you have to take care of your body. You, you, And just not from a weightlifting standpoint, but what you put in your body, the amount of rest you get, the off-season regimen, um, people here long ago, the trendsetter was Jerry Rice yeah. or Walter Payton. And what I would try and do is try and emulate those guys' workout. So, you know, people used to go to Mississippi in the off seasons, like in the mid-80s, to go work out with Walter Payton. Or they would, you know, work out with Jerry Rice. So I just kind of took that mindset. And, you know, here in San Diego, just kind of had the beach, had the hills. Uh, so you just really have to take care of your body. And then I always really enjoyed and loved the game and wanted to leave it a little better than when I was there. Uh, EA, you know, you're talking about the physical stuff. And look, we'll get to the Derek Carr situation and what this Raiders yeah. team is doing. I don't think people realize. So you just said, hey, how much you love football. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I've been around with around you, you know, off air yeah. for, for years. <laughs> You really do love the game, and don't I think what's too many secrets. Mike. I know. Don't, don't well, <laughs> well, you know, the one thing that always stands out about a lot of our conversations, and one thing in particular, you would you would always talk to me about film study and the tells yeah. and the amount of hours that you would spend watching your your opponent, and more specifically, yeah. some of the wide receivers that you'd be matched up against, and trying to pick up any sort of little nuance. Is there a guy? in the league EA that you know is doing the same amount of homework, so to speak, that you were doing that's having success? Oh, man. You know what? That's a great point, Mike, and there's tons of them, uh, particularly uh, Samuel from San Diego, uh, the cornerback. He does a great job because his dad kind of hooked him up to that. He was like a younger guy when I was coming into the league, so word gets around. Here's how you break down, guys. Uh, the corner from – the Broncos, Sertain, another guy who does an amazing job at breaking down film studying. Buda Baker for the Cardinals, another tremendous player as far as his technique. When you look at him, his measurables are average, but the way he's able to get to the Pro Bowl to be an All-Pro because his attention to detail in the film room. Every player, our guy for the Raiders, Deron Harmon, He's another one who does an amazing job at preparation, study, checking out that film. They all do. And the one thing that kind of pops up a couple weeks ago, we were playing the Patriots coming after halftime, and we have this set that when we want to kind of get Devontae Adams going, 
it's kind of like a three receivers on one side. He'll come in motion, and Derek Carr usually <clears throat> throws a quick ball to him so he can catch it and, you know, use his runner for catch. The Patriots set on that. And that first play, he picks it off and takes it to the house. That had nothing to do with his 40 time. It had nothing to do with his vertical. It had nothing to do with how much he bench pressed or squatted. That was all about film preparation, slowing the moment down, understanding the situation, which is so important, situational football, understanding formation, and then, you know, betting on yourself. And that's the final key is you have to bet on yourself. You have to bet that that film preparation, all those hours in the film room and understanding football and knowing the situation, you have to go and trust it. I remember, and, and I know we're kind of getting off, we were playing the, the uh, Washington back in the 90s, and I was covering, um, I think it was Sanders or Art Monk, one of those yeah. guys. And so they motioned me to get me away from the situation. And, Mike, this was the craziest thing. I'm thinking, we're on the, they're on the red zone. It was a game to go to the playoffs. If we won, we went to the playoffs. I think if we they lost, I think they you know dropped out or something. Fourth quarter, you know, uh, maybe 20 seconds left in the game. So they motion me across. As I'm running across with my man from right to left, as I get past the center, I'm thinking, why are they motioning me? They can't be motioning me and going to throw it to the guy that I'm motioning with. The backside receiver is probably going to catch this ball. They snap the ball, Mike. I stop. I run back to the right side and just in the nick of time, knock the ball away from Gary Clark and the game's over. We go to the playoffs. But imagine if that's not the play. <laughs> you know, and they throw it to my guy who's wide open in it. So so that's the kind of trust you have to have and the situation that you put yourself in and you know. You just trust it, you know, you go with your gut feeling if you've been playing long enough. Fortunately that that point I made the play and, you know, stands went crazy and I'm taking off my helmet in the middle of the, the field. But uh, there's a lot of guys who take that to heart and love the game and want to um, leave it better than they found it. Well, look, there's, I think about this Raiders team and Eric Allen with us right now, you can tell the passion that, that Derek Carr has played wearing that Raiders uniform. What do you make of how this thing has played out? Well, it's been difficult for Derek. He's been a great player for us and he is an outstanding player. We can go back to, previous years, the Jet game last year, at the end of the ball game, throwing the deep ball, beating the zero coverage, winning the football game. His leadership in the midst of all the chaos we had last year with our football team, finding a way to push us to the playoffs. I think this year the expectations for this football team were sky high, and we didn't meet those expectations. One, because it's a new regime and they have uh, new players, Injuries, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, uh, for the first two or three weeks of the season, we were juggling nine, ten offensive linemen in the regular season. <laughs> you know, so so it, it's been a combination of different things that have plagued us. But we all thought this was going to be one of those magical years. You have Devontae Adams, who's one of the best receivers in the National Football League, and Derek Carr's dear friend come over. We thought that was going to be magic. Well, it was up and down. When teams doubled him and took him away and Waller and Hunter were not there because of injury, the other guys really had difficulty being consistent catching the football. Derek needs to play better. He had to play better for our football team to win. And you can't go to Pittsburgh and the weather elements affect you more than it did Kenny Pickett. Now, I don't think that was a – hey, I'm throwing the ball deep and you're throwing the ball deep, I think their game plan was a little more tailored to the weather where we're going to throw the ball 10 to 15 yards in the middle of the football field where we got behind and we had to throw the ball 20, 30, 40 yards downfield. Weather just wasn't having that on that day. And it didn't look good for a young player to have a final drive and win the football game and a 9-, 10-year vet in Derek Carr who led a team to a playoff last year with all that chaos has his best friend, Waller's in the game, Hunter's in the game. You have Josh Jacobs, a pro bowler, one of the best running backs in the National Football League, and you didn't win that football game. So, you know, from the outside, all the folks 
that don't support DC, they had their, you know, their mallet. (laughs) And then for all the folks of us who do support DC, it's just a matter of a lot of things around him and himself were not consistent enough to be the starting quarterback the next two weeks for the Las Vegas Raiders. Didn't get it done. EA, it's always good to hear your voice, man. I could could talk to you for like two more hours. Appreciate it, man. (laughs) We'll focus in from You're the best, man. So you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out and you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You're good. You can make it. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads in order to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. It's the Jim Rome Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Mike Am filling in for him today and tomorrow. Got a little bit more on the college football playoff. We'll do a heavy deep dive tomorrow on the show, not to mention uh, sprinkling a little uh, Thursday night football conversation game tonight. Remember... Tannehill not playing, Derrick Henry not playing, Malik Willis not starting. Josh Dobbs getting the start from a Tennessee perspective. Also, uh, Tony Pollard, don't look like he's going to be out there, but Micah Parsons, who I know was dealing with a hand injury, should be out there. So a little more NFL conversation tomorrow on the show. Been asking you guys to to weigh in on the NFL MVP. Got some interesting thoughts, at Mike underscore Yam. You still got some time to, to tweet at me here. Not to mention you can also send in some email emails, Rome at haveatake.com. Got a couple of those to get to as well. But first things first, think of O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. They're close, convenient, and have the parts you need fast. Along with excellent customer service from professional parts, people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or you can visit O'ReillyAuto.com. All right, MVP for me, I'm just going to tell you, it's Jalen Hurts. They had eight wins last season. They had eight, sitting at 13 right now. And he played against Dallas. I don't know. Maybe be talking about 14. We'd be talking about them as the number one seed locked up, home field advantage, first round bye. Could still happen. Maybe it happens against the Saints team. Dude has also done it both in the air and on the ground. 35 total touchdowns so far this season. First quarterback in NFL history to have at least 10 rushing touchdowns in back-to-back seasons. All right, it's not an award from what you did last year. It's about this season. But how about an interception total? That's at five. I still think a lot of it comes down to wins, and they've been winning. Now, you might be saying, well, what about Josh Allen? Okay, I, I can make a case for, for Josh Allen. I thought something was really interesting because I know, you know Mahomes has got 11, 11 picks so far this season. Uh, what do we got here? Josh Allen's has got 13 interceptions, so Allen has thrown more. Check this out, though. I was doing some, some research last night. Allen's the only player in NFL history to throw for 4,000-plus yards, 30-plus touchdowns, and rushing for 700 yards and at least seven rushing touchdowns. You know, I think you almost take for granted how ridiculous those numbers are for a second. I'm going to throw that out there one more time. Only player in NFL history to throw for at least 4,000 yards and 30-plus touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, run for at least 700 yards, and have at least seven rushing touchdowns. That is crazy town. And I know that there has been some of those interceptions. It's only two more than what Mahomes has done. I mean, just let that sit there for a second here. And the Bills have obviously had a great season, and they got the head-to-head in that matchup. Uh, DraftKings, by the way, disagrees with me. Mahomes, the favorite. Burrow, yeah, yeah. Mahomes the favorite. Burrow, second. Allen, smidge behind. And then Jalen Hurts after that. 
uh, had a couple people tweeting at me. I, you know, I I love the argument that some of the fans are are making here. Just kind of scrolling through. Chris had sent the tweet a little bit earlier from Montana, and I think it's important to just reference the fact it's Montana, okay, not to be confused with Minnesota, but he's making the case for Justin Jefferson. I uh, got another tweet a couple of minutes ago. Ed. Justin Jefferson for MVP. To be fair, Kevin then promptly responded two seconds later and also made the case for Kirk Cousins. So something tells me Kevin might be from Minnesota. But the point is, right? Like you can you can make an like I there is an argument to be made. I don't know about the Cousins thing, although uh, Kyle Brandt. Not to be confused with Andrew Brandt, one of our listeners also asking if they were related. Andrew promptly replying, no, they're not related. But Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football, one of my colleagues over at NFL Network, he's actually been making the case for for Kirk. And he's not wrong. I don't actually have the raw numbers in front of me. I can pull it up here. But we are talking about a significant win total, big turnaround, huge yardage. I think he's been hit more than any other quarterback in the NFL and yet still doing the damage that he's done. And he didn't have nearly good a defense as the other teams that we're talking about right now. And the fact that they keep winning, yeah, I think there's an argument there. To me, Kevin, I think I'm leaning toward, if if you said to me, is it Kirk or is it Justin Jefferson? I'm going to go Jefferson. Going to go Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I there was a strong argument for him. I would have made it. I was still leaning Jalen Hurts just because I know what this award is. It's not going to go to a wide receiver. They're going to pick a quarterback here. And the reality is that maybe it is, it's Mahomes. Maybe he deserves to be that favorite. Scotty in Redondo Beach. I feel like maybe I've run into Scotty a couple times. I have no idea legitimately who this is. He sent in an email, but I do occasionally grab a cocktail or dinner in Redondo Beach. So Scotty, if you ever see me, please stop by and say hi. Uh, he wrote in, Easily the current MVP is Patrick Mahomes. He's taken for granted as he continues to be the most important player on the best offensive team. You put Mahomes on any other team, he makes them a contender. The Raiders would be in the playoffs with Mahomes leading them. Same with the Dolphins, Tennessee, the Giants, and all the other teams fighting for a spot in the playoffs. Look, is Mahomes an upgrade for what those teams have? Yeah. I'm looking at those squads, the Dolphins, Tennessee, Giants. Yeah, I take Mahomes over all those all those quarterbacks that are there. Raiders, yeah. Yeah, I would. I, you're not wrong about that. Uh, I'll take it even a step further to, to strengthen that argument. How much did we feed into the whole narrative? No Tyreek. No Tyreek. What's going to happen to that offense? By the way, all they continue to do is just dominate on the offensive side. Um the one thing I would caution, and this is ne- this is a side note from the MVP thing. This is just a Mahomes-Chiefs conversation here as I do this little tangent. Yeah. By the way, is there anything cooler than to hear Andy Reid at the end? You know, he does that post game, and he goes, Chiefs, and he goes, yeah, I just, I get a kick out of that. Yeah. Um, situational football in the postseason, what happens in those moments when you're playing the premier teams and – Tyreek's not there to bail you out. And I'm not saying that Mahomes can't get it done, Kelsey and all the all the guys that they have, Pacheco coming out of that backfield, like they're they're running the football more. I'm I'm not Juju. I am not suggesting that they can't win a Super Bowl this year. All I'm saying is that there have been moments with Tyreek Hill in that offense, clutch situations where he just makes something happen. And by the way, Cojones. <laughs> Tyreek's been doing that in Miami too. I mean, Ian Waddle been been terrific, terrific this season. I just um I think we get into the postseason, it gets a little dicey. I do think it's it gets a little dicey, and I think they might miss Tyreek in in a couple of those situations when the postseason comes around. But Mahomes is still leading. Dude's almost he he will throw for over five thousand yards. Mahomes? Yeah. Patrick will throw for over 5,000 yards by the time the season is done. He's at 4,700 so far this season. The 41 touchdowns, the 11 interceptions. Um, I do think, for whatever reason, and it's not to say that DraftKings or, or Vegas in general, they don't know what they're talking about because uh, typically they're, they're pretty spot on on this stuff. Mahomes is the favorite. I don't buy that Jalen Hurts missing this last game is 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 that much of an issue. Now, I'll say this. If Jalen Hurts doesn't play this weekend against New Orleans, 
and they don't clinch the one seed, okay, I think that does open the door. And I think the, the argument is there for Mahomes to go and win. The one guy I haven't talked a whole lot about, who, by the way, DraftKings has second uh, second best odds behind Mahomes, is, is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is that next guy. Second in passing, sixth in passer rating, third in completion percentage, and oh, by the way, maybe the hottest team with San Francisco in the NFL. They've won seven straight and nine out of their last 10. The dude does not miss. I was having this conversation with Brian Baldinger, who was good enough. We were doing a show together at NFL Network the other day. He's calling him the uh, the sniper or the assassin out there. Dude just doesn't miss. Some of the throws that he's making, Joe Burrow right now, you go, oh, okay. And by the way, I know that the season didn't start out great for them, and it, there's, they're on this hot streak right now. Anyone be surprised if Cincinnati gets back to a Super Bowl this year? Like I don't, I don't think you can be surprised by that. He's been that good, and this team has been that good. And the fact that they've been weathering the storm, you know, the same could be said for like the Chargers, right? Like they're in the postseason, massive changes in the offensive line, top wide receivers have been down with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. J.C. Jackson hasn't played there. Like. Justin Herbert's been terrific. You know, you talk about meaningful football that has to be played down the stretch and what we're seeing from Joe Burrow. I get why DraftKings has him as the second best odds. Two weeks still left in the season. Burrow can make a case here. Jalen Hurst got to get on the football field. Good sign. Throwing at practice today. All right. It has been a thrill. I got the phone call three months ago to do this show. Of course, I said yes. I said yes faster than, I don't know, however fast you can say it. That was what my reaction was. Got the call to do it this week. I was like, hell yeah, let's roll. It's been awesome hanging with you guys. We'll do it again tomorrow. More on the rest of the NFL season and the playoff picture. And, of course, the college football playoffs. Got some great guests lined up. Enjoy the rest of the day. We'll talk tomorrow. Good night.